Today we're, we're going to be traveling with Jesus, uh, seeking and saving the lost. And we're going to be in Luke 7, 36 through 50. And I think my slides, I, if I'm in sync with them, it's, it's okay. If it's not, he's got a script. I know kind of where I'm going. If it doesn't seem to match, it's okay. It's really about the scriptures and uh, traveling with Jesus. My wife and I just came back from traveling for a small vacation up north, up in the speculator area, and had a great time on the road. And yesterday there were a lot of cars, Friday, and all that rain. They were trying to get north, so the north way was packed all the way up through. And I thought, people are traveling. This is a time when we travel. In our passage this morning, I thought I wanted to do something missional, something to show us traveling with Jesus is a wonderful thing to do. And traveling with Jesus, seeking and saving the lost. Luke's gospel is often Jesus talking to people who are lost and broken, people who need a touch, whether they be down and out like Bartimaeus, the blind man, or this woman in our passage today, or the up and out like Zacchaeus, very wealthy, but also very lost. And Jesus reached out to them, and he traveled with them, and he had one thing on his heart and mind, to seek and to save that which was lost, because he came to us in our lost condition and saved us. If you know Christ, you have, you have uh, had an experience with Jesus Christ, and you have given him your heart and life and your faith. And today, it's it's that testimony of a transformed life that we look at and God's divine mercy and his love. And then, of course, when he loves, then people love him back. And I saw you loving him today in your worship and thank God for that. But as we go on, we're traveling with Jesus. He's in the northern part of, of Israel and he is uh, in Galilee and he is going to have dinner, and then he's going to give his grace away. There's really just two points in this message, having dinner in a Pharisee's house and then giving grace in a Pharisee's house. Because wherever God goes with Jesus, his precious son, there is giving grace. How many times has God favored you this week? How many times has God met you in your hour of need and talked to you and admonished you and corrected you and directed you and loved you and forgiven you. And that's what the grace of Christ is. So having dinner in a Pharisee's house, and that's where we pick this story up, the uninvited but dishonored guest. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. Lord, guide us in, the, in our word today as we see Jesus afresh because we sometimes only see dimly. Help us to see the heart and soul of Jesus Christ so that we might walk with him, seeking and saving that which is lost. In his name we pray, amen. He's in a house, and he's been invited for dinner. Everybody likes to be invited for dinner or a picnic or somewhere. I mean, you'll probably be invited this week, many of you, to dinners and a place you'll sit down, and it'll be a great opportunity for you to fellowship. But Christ is at the table of a Pharisee, been invited but not honored. No welcome kiss, no foot washing, soothing oil, no. It was a cold and discourteous invitation. Nobody likes those types of invitations <laughs> where you go and you realize that you are there, but there's motives as to why they probably wouldn't want you there, but for some reason you're there. And that's what Jesus is. In the same book of Luke, 
the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This Pharisee was probably gathering evidence against Christ. Yep, wanted to do something. Mark 12 says that some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians tried to trap him in his talk. Teacher, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And we know that Jesus turned that whole thing around with the coin whose picture is on it. He said, well, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, and to God that which is God's. And they were totally befuddled. So he is the invited but dishonored guest in a courtyard probably situation, in a man who had probably enough money to have a guest full of other Pharisees and leaders, and they would recline, and their feet were sticking straight out as they reclined and ate with their right hand and left hand was like that, and they were eating, and they could talk. And the banter was probably somewhat theological, asking questions about what one thought about this biblical portion or that rabbinical law. And that's where Jesus is. He's there in the lion's den, as it were. And that's okay, because he's up for it. (laughs) Always is up for whatever he finds. Lord Jesus, thank you. But then, as we go into the next passage, I just want, I just had some pictures. I will go back to that last picture. Yeah, just pictures of people who are at the city mission. And Jesus was really seeking and saving that which is lost. And that's what happens at the city mission. We're, we're feeding about 800 meals a day, and we're sheltering about 240 people a night right now, and it goes up to 300 a night in the, in the winter. And I can tell you this because you already understand it, that the homeless problem has just gotten worse in the area, in the New York State and in the area where we are. And there's more homeless people than I've ever seen in my 36 years of ministry at the city mission. And I realize that God has put us in such a place as, and in such a time as this so that we can minister for very broken and needy people who are coming under the roof of the Lord Jesus Christ without government funding or without any other motivation but to love them in Jesus Christ. And so even in a Pharisee's house, Jesus was there not just to seek and to save that which was lost uh, on the down and outside, but he was there to help save Pharisees and give them lessons. And Pharisees need lessons too. And they need Jesus too. And there are Pharisees in our world today. And help us, Lord. But this one has come to seek and save Pharisees as well. And many would come to him later. But then uh, the next slide just shows some more of the things that we do. Our medical, medical services, 60 people a week getting free medical attention and free medicine. And we don't, don't, don't charge for any of the things you're seeing up there. Those are all free services. And about 9,000 articles or so of clothing a week going out to the poor and needy. And so we're thankful for that. And many of those clothes come from you. I was at a, a reunion yesterday of my 45th uh, graduation from RCS High School. And uh, I was there, and they, and they had this big drive for money, and they had this big drive for clothes and this big drive for food. So all the, the, my classmates coming in were giving on this big table area for the city mission. I was thank, thanking God. And the quarterback for my team, I played right guard at, and a pulling left guard, but I, I, I was uh, there, and the quarterback from our team was there yesterday. I hadn't seen him since high school. So he said, so you didn't block very well, did you? I said, uh, yeah, we let some guys through at you, didn't we? He said, yeah. He said, a couple times, 
oh, a couple of times on the field. He said, guys, are you going to block? Are you going to block for me? I said, well, he said, but I, I, I'm all right with it. <laughs> and he's a chiropractor today. <laughs> so I said, I guess we gave, gave you some bone crushing, didn't we? <laughs> like some of those big guys got through the line. <laughs> oh, my. Well, so I had a good time. And people are helping. But going, going on to the next slide. Somebody else comes in, an uninvited guest. She was a prostitute, no doubt. The scripture says, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment because she was seeking Jesus, her Savior. It was customary at that time. We don't do this in our homes. Some of you actually, I think, do that in your homes in a sense. But uh, people from the town could come in and circle the wagons, as it were, but stand next to the wall and hear the theological banter that was going on. They weren't going to eat. They weren't really going to say anything. But they could come around and listen to these learned rabbis and Pharisees talk about the Scriptures and talk about Judaism. And so when she heard that Jesus Christ was there, this town prostitute... She came in and gravitated over to where Jesus Christ was and where his feet would be totally stretched out. And that's where she decided to go. She was seeking Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand something about this passage to help you understand it. It's the fact that in this passage, there are three perfect tense verbs. Now, you say, oh, what does that mean? (laughs) As you get toward the end, he speaks of forgiveness twice, that she's forgiven. And he speaks about the fact that you are saved, I have saved you. And they're all in the perfect tense. And the reason why the Greek language has a perfect tense, we have a lot of tenses, past, present, future, and so forth. But the Greek language has the future tense. It means a past action with a present reality. And that's how, in this passage, he's going to speak about salvation directly, and we'll see it. Three times. And then each time he tells her, you were saved, I saved you, and you're still saved. You, isn't that great what salvation is? I'm glad they have the future tense in Greek, the Greek language, because it means that Christ saved my soul, and he keeps me saved, and he blesses me, and, and I'm still, it, it's a present reality and a future blessing in my life. It's a very complete tense in the, in the Greek language. I won't do any more Greek lessons today. But I love that because, and the significance of this is, she is not coming to become a saved person. She is already saved. He had ministered her on the street somewhere. And by using those three future tenses, what he's saying is, she's coming to me to show her gratitude. Because when Jesus Christ saves your soul, and you know it, You want to tell. You want to rejoice. You want to thank him. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy rich salvation or thy full salvation, rich, free. Praise the Lord. So that's what she's coming for. She's not coming saying, Jesus, save me. He's already done that. He's met her on the streets. He was where she was. Oh, Lord, help us to save, uh, serve out of that. She was there to thank Jesus Christ. And what you see her doing is her love gift back to him.
for transforming and saving her life. And she, he, I'm imagining she was listening to him someday on the streets like many people were. But she was really listening because her life was ruined. She, she, her reputation was nothing. She was a mess. And she heard Jesus Christ speak the words of life. And she knew these have been waiting for this her whole life to know Jesus Christ. And, and at the city mission, I see people coming in whose lives are really in a, paper, in a paper bag. They're in a basket. They're broken and ruined. And some of them in chapel will say to me, Pastor, can God really forgive me? Do you know how perverted I've been? Oh, we went to a new slide. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's good. He didn't want to take from her. He wanted to bless her. He didn't want to condemn her. He wanted to make her right, and he did. He didn't take from her, but he gave to her. That's what Jesus was about. He didn't make her feel empty, but he f- made her feel fulfilled. And that's what it is when you're in Christ. And she was sorry for her sin. In fact, the Bible says she was standing behind him at his feet weeping. The original language has the word brexo, which just means it's used for rain, heavy rain, which we had yesterday, and heavy rain, which we had the day before and the day before. We had a lot of rain. And so she got to the feet of Christ, and I can picture her, and she's at his feet, and she realizes that nobody has done any hospitality. His feet are dry and cracked and dirty from the dust of the streets. And she begins to weep. And not just a little tear coming down. She starts to sob. She starts to, as the scripture says, brexo, to rain on him. Now, you know what happens when you get to that place where you're crying that hard. Something has happened in your life. Something has happened in your soul. And Christ has saved her. And she now realizes all the things that he has saved her from. All the things that he has told her she's not responsible for as her sin. And he's blessed her. She was sorry for her past, but she was joyful about her present relationship with Christ. Her repentance is overwhelming. The Bible says in the past God overlooked ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. We'll go to those next picked slides there uh, that we were going to go to. Well, uh, I, better, I better get in tune. There they are. These are just pictures of our chapel meeting at night. You have to picture this, and some of you already know because you come and speak there and serve there. But right now, lately, we have been, in August, it happens quite often. We fill up the chapel to almost no seats in there. It can be 150 people in there every night. And I never, ever look and say, well, just another chapel, probably just some, maybe some of the same people. I don't because I know that every night we have newbies in there. Newbies are people who come to the city mission for the first time. 85 people a month come to the city mission for the first time that we've ever seen them, along with others that come. And I'm thinking, there's probably newbies out there, Lord, and they need the gospel tonight. They have come in wrung out. Their life is wrung out like a dish rag, and they want to know if there's anything worth living for. Is there anything that can take me out of this bondage, this hurt, this terrible gnawing on, on my soul. And we tell them about the great love of Jesus Christ. And some of the speakers are right out of your, your, your congregation. 
and that is important. So I always think, Lord, I don't know who's here tonight, but this is not a ho-hum moment. This is a serious moment to proclaim the living Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. And we are seeing people come to faith in those chapel meetings over and over again, and I'm thankful for that because we need to see uh, that. And also I realize that with the heroin epidemic going on, which is even touching inside the roots of the people coming to us, where they are, we're finding them dead from heroin overdoses now at epidemic levels. I always look out and I say, Lord, who is out there that may not be alive tomorrow? And it, it will be so frequently that I never let my guard down and say, this is just, just chapel. No, it's the words of life. And there may be people in your sphere of influence that need you to do that. The uninvited guest. But she was serving the Lord from a grateful heart. The Bible says she began to wet her feet with her wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Oh. She was on a mission. <laughs> and the mission was to thank Jesus Christ with her life. She didn't have a lot. She had this alabaster jar of ointment perfumed ointment and she was going to use that and for a prostitute or any other woman of the day that was probably one of the most precious and costly things they had and she had that and she had one thing on her mind to honor Christ and that's what she would do she took his place at his feet she took her place at the feet of Christ a servant's place she washed his feet in a sobbing tears a broken, contrite spirit. She kissed his feet with, with uh, she kissed his feet, giving great welcome. I grew up in a Greek Orthodox home, and if I went somewhere, they always kissed me in two places, here and here, uh, if we were anywhere. And all of these Greek relatives, many of them I did not know, would grab me and kiss me. You couldn't get away from it. But it was really their way in the Greek world of saying, welcome, good to see you, I'm glad you're here. You know, <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> it still happens. Uh, Legrand Saris is my uh, is my second cousin. He is the owner of the Real Seafood Company on Wolf Road. We bo- both grew up in the Greek world. He stayed in it more than I did, but uh, he kissed me recently. We met, and he kissed me on both cheeks. <laughs> so it's good that Greeks still do that in a sense. This woman was kissing the feet of Christ. It's an act of welcome. It's an act of saying, I'm so glad I could be here with you, and she's doing that. And she anointed his feet with this oil. But it wasn't just olive oil, which is customary as basic foot help. But this was special ointment. She, she gave it all to the Lord, caring for his needs at the feet of Christ. Where is it better to be today? If somebody said to you, if you go over there, in that room over there, the Lord Jesus Christ is there and you can be at his feet or you can go and... You can meet the governor of the state. Now, I don't want to pick on the governor. <laughs> you could be at the feet of Christ or at some dignitary or some other place. Many of you would want to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. A place of humility, but a place of great honor for your soul as well. Lord Jesus, thank you. I think there's another slide, so I'm going to have you just go ahead and advance it. Yeah. These are some of the ones that we 
we have a staff of 48 at the city mission. I had one staff member when I first came. That was me. <laughs> so I did, if I had anybody to boss around, it was myself. And that was, in, that was way back in 1983. And this church was here before I was here helping the city mission. But we have some staff members there, and I'm thankful for some of them. Uh, you know that we also have a place for transitional living where men can be in there, and we're working on a women's building which is in the back, and you can be in there for three years. We walk with you from emergency shelter all the way to transformation and living in your own apartment while you continue to get it and to be discipled. And Margarita is our, uh, on the one hand, is, one, is, our, is our women's program director, came through the program herself as an alcoholic who had lost everything and has graduated from Hudson Valley. And Dave Poch, who was on the left, who is my, really my go-to guy when I'm gone, and he is also a heroin addict of 15 years ago, uh, shooting syringe heroin until till he nearly died uh, and had to be brought back. And he's been with us. And Kevin Anderson's my night supervisor. And Kevin is one of our program men from Rikers Island Prison and Fishkill Prison and many other prisons. He said, I'm an alumni of many places, institutions in the state of New York. <laughs> and he is. Recently, we had a guy came in and was stabbed three times in the stomach. Uh, it was just before Easter because the street's violent out there in Albany, and you all have been reading about it. Well, he came into the mission, and he was holding his stomach, and he was bleeding out. And Kevin knew that. And so Kevin, just a big man, he, he just held his wounds for 10 minutes or whatever to just keep him. So he didn't bleed out, and the paramedics got there, and they said to him, thank you for doing that because he would be dead. We could not get here as fast as he was bleeding out. And then about a little less than a month later, he shows up in our Easter chapel and gets up and says, Kevin, who was standing by the way, says, thank you for holding me because God is working in my life now. And And that was something that happened because I came in there all stabbed up. And you kept me alive. And so that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we just don't know what God is going to do in this whole process. But we'll go to the next slide. This wonderful thing is happening. And then a self-righteous host. That's the Pharisee. He has to be the self-righteous one. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him for she is a sinner. He looks, at, looks in disgust and says, eh, stay away from her. She is a nasty, sinful creature trapped in her sin, and we, we don't want her anywhere around us. And, and if you, if you, so-called prophet of Galilee, if you knew who she was, you'd have the same attitude to her. He dishonors Christ. He rejects him as a fraud. If this man were a prophet. He concludes in his mind, I was right. He's a fraud, and now I've shown him up to be one. But the story's not over (laughs) till Jesus talks. (laughs) And so he's going to talk. Thank you, Lord. But... You said Jesus didn't know something. You're out of your league. 
you're out of your league big time. <laughs> when you tell Jesus he doesn't know something, oh, he doesn't know who she was. He, he's ignorant. Well, he's not ignorant. Let me tell you some of the things, Simon, his name, that Jesus knows that you don't know. First of all, Jesus knows her whole past, every jot and tittle, every nasty thing she ever did, every perverted act that she has done, whatever. But he also knows every one of ours, every single thing that you and the person sitting next to you may not know and probably doesn't. Things that only God knows what you did, said, thought, or were. And they are offenses against his holiness, by the way, all of our sin. He knew her past. It did not surprise him. He was not going to catch cooties from it. He was not going to get anything that was going to happen. He knew who she was, and still he loved her. Isn't it great that God knows you, and God loves you anyway, and you can't surprise him? <laughs> oh, Lord. He knew her past, but he also knew Simon's thoughts. Be careful when you're around Jesus with your thought life, because he knows. And sometimes when you come in prayer and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, but I kind of already know you know. And you know what I was thinking, not even just what I was saying or doing. Jesus knows. He knows her past. He knows Simon's thoughts. He knows her need more than anybody on earth knows the need. Jesus Christ knows your need. Never tire of coming to him. Never tire of believing and trusting him by faith and never tire of knowing that he has your heart at best. He knew her need, and he knew how to meet her need. He did know a lot of things, didn't he? <laughs> oh, if he had been a prophet, he would know something. He knows a lot. He knows my need, that I need forgiveness. He knows that I need transformation, that he's going to find me and save me. And if you're in this room today and you need Jesus Christ because he sees that he knows your sin, he knows everything you've ever done, he knows the infractions against the very holiness of God, and that if you stay in that sin, you'll be lost forever from him. But he also knows that he wants to forgive you. He wants to remake you and give you new life. And if you'll just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I turn from my sin like this woman with tears of either inner outward tears. I need you to save me, and he will. And he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. And she now has come to the all-knowing Jesus Christ. There is nowhere else to go. Our world looks at him as if he was a good teacher, but not an all-knowing God the Son. He is the all-knowing God the Son, excellent in all wisdom and infinite. He knows. His proud heart looks down on the woman, and she basically says she is a sinner. We're all sinners, every one of us. We, we may do different sinning, and the degrees of our sin may differ at times, but we are all sinners, and we have a great Savior. When John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he was a ship captain on a slave ship. I read the, the, the latest bi biography of him out of England, a wonderful biography. But he did things to slaves that were abysmal and perverted and arrogant, and he knew it. And God saved him one day as he came out of the ship hull during a, a miserable storm. And he went back down to get a knife to work with the rigging before he came out. And the, the guy below him went first and was washed overboard and killed. And when he came up, 
he realized that could have been him. And that was the day and hour and moment he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He said, I, I am no better than that man. I should have been over the board with him, but Jesus saved my soul, and he was. And later, of course, he helped to stop the slave trade. But when he was dying, he said, I don't know right now. My mind is cloudy, but I know one thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big sinner. I'm a great sinner, but I know I have a great Savior. And if you can remember those two things, <laughs> I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior who loves me. His unbelieving heart later said, who is this that forgives sin? He had no heart for Christ at this moment. I pray that someday he did later. Oh, Lord Jesus. Keep moving here, Perry Jones. <laughs> but then, he, our first point, remember, there's only two points in this, a lot of little sub-points. But the first point was having dinner in a Pharisee's house. What can happen in a Pharisee's house? The son of the living God can dispense his powerful saving message. And that's what happens next. Giving grace in a Pharisee's house. He starts out by teaching about forgiveness. He said, you, got, you, got, you need, Mr. I-know-it-all, you need a lesson on forgiveness. <laughs> so I'm going to teach you, Mr. Pharisee, what you need to know about forgiveness. He says, I have something to say. He said, say it, teacher. Well, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That's $40,000 in our day. And the other owed 50 denarii, which is $4,000. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said, you have judged rightly. You learned the lesson well. $40,000, the banker said, the debt's been canceled. $4,000, it's still a lot of money, but it's a whole lot more when you got forty grand on the line and somebody and you can't pay it. Neither one could pay. And I don't care if you're a big sinner, so-called, or a little sinner, you can't pay God. You're in debt to him. I can't pay him. You can't pay him. We've sinned against his holiness. And we need somebody else to pay our debt. And that's what Jesus did. He went to Calvary to take every one of our sins upon himself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Simon, who will love me more? She does because she knows the great debt that I paid for her. And then he commends her authentic love. He turned toward the woman. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon has been watching her, wishing that he could bums rush her out. You know, the old days, the rescue missions used the word bums rush. You know what I mean? They escort you to the door if you were really trouble. And, uh, oh, Lord, he wanted to get rid of her. Yeah, I see the woman. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet me, uh, my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came into, came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Lord Jesus, he, he now is controlling the room. And he looks at Simon and he says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, 
have been forgiven. That's the first perfect tense in this passage. They have been forgiven, and I've done it. When Jesus Christ can declare your sins forgiven, that's a big thing. Because when you get to heaven someday and you're with the Savior, and the, Jesus says, their sins, Father, have been forgiven by me. It's a done deal. They were forgiven, and they now walk in that forgiveness of sin. Praise the Lord. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. He said, your little, little mindset on this is a problem. She has gotten over that problem. And today you can turn to Christ Jesus if you don't know him and ask him to save you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Last page. He declares salvation to the sinner. And then he turns to the woman. The whole room's listening now. He's got the captive audience. And he looks at her and he said, your sins have been forgiven. Second future tense. <laughs> you, are st- you are a forgiven woman. You say, what, what would that do for her? It's called assurance of your faith. Don't you like to go to the Bible sometimes and you read, it says, he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Whoever looks to the Lord shall be saved. You read these assurance passages. Why do we read assurance passages? Because, we, because our hearts are faint. <laughs> we say, Lord, I want, tell me one more time. <laughs> tell me one more time through the Holy Scriptures that whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life and that you've forgiven me, that if I'll confess my sin and I come to you, that you'll cleanse me and save me. He's assuring her. He's saying, lady, you're saved. You're forgiven. And those at the table began to say, who is this who forgives sins? The cross says it out there. He's the Messiah. He's our Messiah. He's the Savior. He's my Savior. He's my, the love of my soul, the lover of my soul. He can save my soul and cleanse me and declare me in all time and to be forgiven and to walk into heaven's gates as a forgiven child of God. That you are somebody at that time. You are a child of the king. That is assurance. He looks at her and said, I'm assuring you. You're ready. Wow. I'm the town prostitute. People look at me with... They're repelled. I know, but I don't. Because the uninvited guest has now become the invited guest of the King of Glory. Hallelujah. In Luke's gospel, the same gospel we're reading from, when the master comes, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them at the Lamb's Supper. (laughs) You say, you're invited I want you here. I want you not just here. I want you here for all eternity. I want you to be saved. I want you to come to know me, and I love you, and I will serve you, and you're my invited guest. The uninvited guest is now the invited guest of the King of Glory. Praise the Lord, and that happens at the city mission. Because our people aren't invited to a lot of places. (laughs) They are disinvited from a lot of places. (laughs) And then he says, your faith has saved you. Ah, your faith has saved you. Perfect tense. Thank you, Lord. You've done it. I'm glad that we can say the word S-A-V-E-D because it's God has saved you. And he says, go in peace. All I tell you is shalom. Walk in newness of life. Walk in fullness of life. The great hymn writer said as we close, 
the great hymn writer says, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. She could sing that song with gusto today and thank the Lord for that. Two challenges I leave you with. Turn and either turn and tell or turn turn to the Lord in repentance and receive forgiveness, salvation, and peace. Maybe today, as we said, this is the day you'll meet Jesus Christ in your soul. And you've heard his words. You've heard his mercy coming forth from the scriptures. And you'll say, Jesus, I'm not leaving this room without you saving my soul. I'm not leaving this room without turning from my sin and weeping repentance and coming to you and saying, Jesus, save me. I want that assurance that I'm your child and I'll be in glory. And that all the infractions and sin against the holiness of God have been forgiven and wiped clean. I want to be yours. That's turning to him. Then tell others of his great love. And as I started, I want all of us this week to have a mindset that says, Lord, I'm traveling with you because we're seeking and saving the lost. And we're doing it together because I'm your partner, but I'm not the one who saves. You are. But I'm with you, Lord. I'm traveling with the message of eternal salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the fact that you're seeking, you're saving that which is lost. But for many of us in this room, you have sought us. You have loved us. And Jesus, we just pray your blessing upon uh, the work that we need to do now and tell others. But if there's somebody in the room that said, Jesus, I turned from my sin. I've never asked you to be my Savior and Lord to forgive me. I've never asked that I could become your child, but it's a free gift. And now I realize that this woman had nothing to pay and I don't. All I say is, Jesus, save me. I turned from my sin. Save me and give me eternal life. And I will praise and bless thee forever as the invited guest of the King of Kings. By grace alone, it's not something we earn. It's just because he loves us. Lord Jesus, bless this congregation. In your name we pray, amen.